You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Jacob Lukowitz, online and social media editor at SD Times. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast episode. Today, we're going to be talking about the challenges that organizations are facing with a new Trojan source threat that affects software compilers and places all new programs at risk. We'll also cover what can be done to counter this type of threat. With me today is Vince Arnesia, Chief Product Officer at code testing provider Grammatech. Hi, Vince. Hey, Jacob. Great to be here. Great to have you. Uh, so to start off, can you tell me a bit about this threat and why it's so concerning? Uh, yeah, so the, the history here is um, this threat was re- discovered by a few researchers at the University of Cambridge, uh, I believe around July or so. And they made uh, the, the parties that would be affected sort of known about this, uh, and they made them aware of this in order to have them be able to put a, a, a solution or a patch together, and, and some have done that. Uh, but, but effectively, what they discovered, and, and there's really uh, one key point here before we get into the details uh, of the threat, is that uh, there's no known instances of this threat being exploited in the wild. Uh, this mm-hmm. threat has, it's sort of a new method, uh, a new attack method that the researchers identified, uh, you know, within their university, and, and really, it's 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 all about um, abusing uh, Unicode, uh, which is a feature within most compilers, interpreters, code editors, etc. Uh, and and the way that they did it is that they were able to leverage or abuse Unicode to uh, inject uh, vulnerabilities into code itself as your you're sort of writing the code. Uh, and, and so what they hypothesized and they saw some evidence of within their, their labs is a uh, attacker could abuse that code um, and negatively affect you know, the functionality of your application. They also went uh, to suggest that uh, if you happen to be building an application and you download open source uh, which has this um, vulnerability embedded within that open source code, you would effectively be bringing that vulnerability into your code base uh, without even knowing it. And so I guess the potential ripple effects of this could be big, uh, but it is once again important to note that uh, there's no known threat of this. It's a sort of a, a potential or hypothetical threat, uh, which uh, I know is being rectified by a, by a few affected parties already. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a proactive finding of this type of uh, it, it, type of bug. Exactly. So typically, mm-hmm. the way these things work is is they uh, they sort of get out a timeline uh, and they and they make it known to the interested parties. In this case, you know uh, the the people that are working with the compilers and the IDEs, and so they they provide a report to those entities and uh, give them a timeline of sort of an embargo of when this should be corrected, typically a few months or so, maybe a month or two. Uh, and then they they work to address that before they officially announce it. In this case, I believe this was announced at the very beginning of November, but it was um, uh, found earlier this year, maybe around the summer or so. I see. Um, so what what do you find is lacking on the like compiler vendor side that, that enables this concealing of the threat uh, from people that inspect the code? Yeah, so it's really uh, leveraging a um, sort of a, a mechanism that is 
um, you know, not necessarily something that's been uh, exploited in the past, or at least that I'm aware of. Um, there's this whole notion of code points, and uh, there's this bi-directional algorithm capability within um, uh, this part of the, 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 the compiler, if you will. And it, it's really more oriented towards uh, comments uh, and things that you wouldn't normally have uh, uh, th these various types of tools be checking. And so what's, you know, that's, I think, the, the aspect of it that is probably the most concerning is typically when you do static analysis or you do other types of analysis on your code base, you're not really focusing on the area of the code or the area of the, the, uh, the code base in general, uh, you know, which encompasses comments on, on this particular part of the code base. And so uh, that's really, I think, the, the most concerning part in the way that uh, these guys were able to figure out this type of attack vector. Uh, and it seems to be rather broad, at least from what I've seen, it seems to be affecting, you know, tons of different languages. Uh, and obviously, as a result of uh, the impact of all those different languages, it, it carries into uh, all the different types of compilers, um, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. So the ripple effect of this uh, could be large in regards to the different types of companies and, and, and code editors and compilers that need to address this, you know, over the next uh, few months, if not, uh, if not sooner. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and is software composition analysis, otherwise referred to as SCA, um, the answer to this new type of threat? Yeah, so absolutely. So I think the general concept behind SCA is to inspect your open source code as you're bringing that in and do software composition analysis on that to find vulnerabilities that exist within the open source code that you're, you're bringing into your application. So that would definitely um, help identify uh, this type of threat. Uh, the other angle here is um, as you've done, as you finish the, the, the building of the application, you could actually do binary analysis on it towards the end. So after it's been compiled, after it's been linked, and being able to run sort of a binary level software composition analysis, uh, which would once again also look for open source vulnerabilities, uh, but looking at the binary uh, and identifying those open source components. In this case, there's already a couple CVEs associated to it. And so theoretically, both of those solutions, whether it's source code SCA, binary code SCA, would be able to identify uh, aspects of this, associate the CVE to it, and effectively highlight that to the developer you know, or to the security practitioner at one of these corporations uh, to maybe take a deeper look, to maybe do a, a, dip, a bit of an assessment based on the CVE, uh, before the application was to go out with this potential uh, known vulnerability. Uh, but, but it's really interesting in the way that these guys uh, sort of found it um, and, and, and have highlighted it because it's normally not uh, an attack vector that you, uh, you know, typically worry about as it relates to uh, the point exactly within the application. So do you find that SCA tooling in its current state is sort of future-proofed for um, these types of threats that people are proactively finding? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because uh, if you think about why SCA has become a huge aspect of application security testing, it's because um, in the old days, everything that you wrote for an application was custom code. Uh, you wrote the code and that was the application. Well, now... More the stats that I'm seeing is that uh, custom code is really like 30% of the application. You know, the rest is stuff that you're bringing in, linking in, open source, commercial components. 
and you're basically stitching or assembling this application together uh, through parts of code that you don't even own or have never really looked at or reviewed. You're just bringing it in because it accomplishes a certain part of the functionality and it allows for you to get to market earlier. And so, yes, SCA has become a huge part of the application security testing landscape uh, because of that exact reason. Uh, you're not just writing your own code, which is where static analysis uh, really is, is beneficial, but SCA now helps you um, analyze and scan and test uh, the other parts of the code that are now being brought in to assemble the application, regardless of computing environment, right? Desktop, mobile, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it allows for you to get more coverage that way. So now that uh, open source code is predominant, are you finding that a lot of organizations are adopting the SCA? Have they already done so? Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, a few vendors over the last, I'd say, four to five years grow, get really big in the space. We've seen a few acquisitions because it's become more mainstream. Uh, so yes, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, whether it's uh, a checkbox type solution that you're maybe getting from a um, uh, code repository solution like GitLab or GitHub that has it sort of built in, or whether it's a pure play type of technology that's really deep doing SCA, both for source code you know, and binary code. Uh, we're seeing the larger corporations, maybe the mid-market corporations, uh, really adopt uh, uh, software composition analysis into their life cycle, their security life cycle. Uh, and in fact, we've seen uh, more of that shift left as well, right? So uh, a lot of the conversation in the industry is about DevSecOps. This is effectively one other component of the security uh, that is now being uh, effectively required for DevOps. Uh, and and you know, the security takes different forms, whether it's static analysis or dynamic analysis. In this case, it's software composition analysis. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, I think in general, it's... Uh, it's not, I wouldn't say it's in the infancies of its adoption. It's probably more mainstream, but I think because of DevSecOps, it's going to get even more, uh, more and more adoption because it's going to go in the hands of the developers and they'll be able to do software composition analysis on their units of code versus the entire application you know, at the end of the life cycle. Now, are you seeing that SCA is used also on the, uh, the compliance side of things? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's you know become part of mainstream development. It's become part of mainstream security for application development, and, and so within certain verticals and certain industries, uh, they are requiring SCA. Uh, you know, when you're talking about medical devices and the safety of of patients, uh, that's an area where software composition analysis and the need for uh, what's now being called uh, software bill of materials is starting to really catch fire uh, because just like you want to know what's inside of a, a can of, uh, you know, something you buy at a grocery store and you look at the ingredients on the back of the can, uh, the notion going forward seems to be that uh, with any kind of software package that either that you build or that you receive and consume, uh, you want to know what's in that uh, particular application. And so an SBOM or software bill of materials seems to be the equivalent uh, to ingredients within your food packaging uh, that's being leveraged more and more. And obviously, it's starting within critical industries like medical device and government. But eventually, um, it seems to be uh, moving towards uh, gravitating towards you know, financial services and, and other verticals as well. So, so, so yeah, it's, it's a big wave. I mean, application security testing in general, that category is expected to double uh, in mm-hmm. regards to adoption over the next three to four years. 
Uh, and it's really because everything is software, right? Everything we're doing in our life, whether it's changing the temperature at home and the thermostat, you know, whether it's in our car, whether we're here working from home, uh, it's all software driven. And so the need to uh, secure software through all different types of vulnerabilities, whether it's open source centric, custom code centric, uh, has to be accounted for. Um, and are you finding that compliance and security requirements are ever at odds with one another? Like, is it difficult to try to stay within certain certifications while also trying to keep up to date on compilers, for example? Um, I mean, it, it's a delicate balance, right? Just like uh, security in general is a delicate balance, uh, so it doesn't get in the way of development. Um, but I think it can be achieved, especially in today's day and age, because um, you know most companies are doing what they can and they have the right staff to stay out of the headlines. Uh, and so they have to stay compliant in order to meet their uh, regulatory needs, you know, within the verticals and the industries that they operate in. But then security uh, and the necessity of security at all layers, you know, does in fact uh, present a challenge. But it's a challenge that I think we're seeing more and more divisions within corporations embrace instead of it just being a siloed thing that security pushes, you know, and sort of gets in the way it seems to be now being embraced more and more as a part of your workflow from a development perspective, from a compliance perspective. Uh, and it's really more of a, a nice handshake with security versus, uh, you know, looking at them as, as the bad guys and that's slowing down my go-to-market. Great. Uh, so is there anything else that you'd like to add um, for the listeners to take away regarding the threat or SCA? Yeah, so I think in general, um, you know, the the source code reviews are, are obviously still critical. Um, uh, you know, having the latest patches uh, from the vendors, specific to this threat with the compilers and the text editors that you're that you're using, I would check for that uh, definitely. Uh, we've already seen, uh, I think, one patch I noticed earlier was already out through uh, uh, targeting the Rust developers that are that are coding in Rust. Uh, and so that means that there's more of these advisories and uh, and and solutions that are that are going to be coming out probably the rest of this year into early part of next year. Uh, and so yeah, definitely look out for those patches uh, specific to your environment, um, and you know be aware of these kinds of threats because even though it's pretty clear that this threat is not um, uh, has not been uh, found in the wild yet, uh, you could see how something like this could be leveraged especially in the context of open source code, uh, because a lot of developers sort of blindly, you know, bring that into their code base. And, and, and then you're opening up a whole Pandora's box that uh, you probably didn't intend to. Well, looks like that's all the time we have for today's show. And I want to thank you again, Vince, for coming on the show and sharing your insight. Thank you, Jacob. This was great. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Be sure to check out all of our weekly episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform. Till next time, this has been What the Dev.